name is Scott Doughty and thank you for tuning in. This podcast is dedicated to exploring and celebrating what it means to be a leader in the modern age. And I'll be bringing you interviews with inspiring leaders from all walks of life who are working from the inside out to make their world a better place. Today, we're joined by Jim Williams, Vice President of Solutions Engineering at MuleSoft, a Salesforce company. Jim leads a regional team across Australia, Asia, and Japan. He's an active meditator and a well-being advocate at his company. Today, we're going to be talking about building rituals for success, leading through the COVID experience, and the power of giving back. Okay, Jim, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Hi there, yeah. Thanks for having me. Great to be on the show. Jim, you've got a huge responsibility leading a large team across a huge region. Can you tell us a bit about what you actually do at MuleSoft? Sure. So I'm privileged to lead the MuleSoft solution engineering team across JPAC. This is a highly talented team of individuals who evangelize, educate, and inspire our customers to leverage our platform to help them drive tangible business outcomes. Typically, my role is focused uh, on three R's of how I categorize my day. The first R being revenue. You know, we drive revenue for the business in terms of business development and also revenue for our customers through our platform. Second one is recruiting top talent. I'm always on the lookout for keen and you know, technical wizards who also have significant business acumen as well. And the third one is retaining that top talent and mapping out careers and development paths for those within our team. So yeah, highly busy job. It certainly takes, has a, a lot to do each day. Yeah, and, and I noticed that you know, your, your team are spread across a large number of countries and time zones, plus uh, obviously your, your head office in the US. So h- how do you manage so many time zones and, and what might a typical day look like for you? Yeah, it can certainly be challenging, uh, that's for sure. So a typical day, uh, particularly in these times at the moment, can be often up to 18 hours. Um, to give an example, uh, you know, I often have calls at 6 a.m., uh, which cater for global calls spanning from EMEA, the U.S., uh, even Argentina, uh, and myself in Sydney. And then we have you know, a normal working day, and then a lot of the calls with Japan start uh, after 5 o'clock. And then we have a calls later in the evening with the team in the US as well. So yeah, we, we span all time zones, um, particularly you know across Asia, India, etc. And yes, yeah, can really blur the lines between work life balance. That's for sure. Yeah, there's uh, there's a real skill, I guess, in in managing energy, and I'm looking forward to to learning about how you do that. I, I wanted to just go back in time a little bit to just over a year ago, where you came and joined me in Bali for an executive recharge experience. Uh, can you give us a sense of, of what was going on for you around the time that spurred the decision to come over to Bali with me? Yeah, sure. Uh, be happy to walk through that as it really was a, a game changer for me. Uh, so to give some context, in 2018, it was a real career year for me. I had significant growth in my team. I think we hired about 23 people uh, from October to February. So it was a really intense period of, of scouting, scouting the ecosystems uh, for talent to join this team. We also were just winning deals uh, and opportunities and driving some amazing customers' success across all regions. You know, we had great success in Asia, ANZ, uh, and India in particular. And 
also on a side note, you know, it was a great year because my football team was promoted and I had a great <laughs> year going to the World Cup in Russia. Uh, but all of that aside, you know, whilst it was a career year and, and, and good on the football front, it, it really did have an impact on my personal life. And, I, you know, I remember someone in particular in 2010 saying, if I continue to operate this way, you know, which is all in, it's going to burn myself out. And mm. that very much, I came to that point where, you know, in 2019, I'd reached when we were celebrating the year that was 2018, uh, I really did burn out and I realized I wasn't bringing my best self to work each day. And, and that's where, you know, I had some good advice from a leader uh, who said to me, Jim, you look like shit. <laughs> you should go on Doughty's retreat. And um, yeah, it was, that was when I got in touch with you to, to really scope out that week. I remember the week. It was, it was a fantastic time for us. And I guess looking back at how lucky we were to be able to travel, unlike right now, Mm. Um, you know, what, what, just to give a sense to the audience of, of what it was like for you. Yeah, for sure. It really was a, a game changer for me, as I said. And, you know, thinking about leading up to that, you know, some of the quotes that I recall here, Jim, you, you look like you need a good meal. Jim, you can't put yourself through that again. And I set myself this weight goal of, of getting around the 80 kilo markers. I wasn't eating right. And actually, because of some of the stress and the impact of that I actually hit 74 kilos which was way past that you know that target i had and i just wasn't in a good state and you know we mapped out that week of wellness and for me you know what we labeled it as was to go on this sabbatical in a week and and come back with a new version of myself that was mentally well and physically well as well and you know you and i busted some myths around some of the beliefs i had around work hours and you know commitment to business and, and not putting time for self and I, re I remember us doing that wheel of life exercise, which was a real eye opener for me in terms of where I was spending my time, basically yeah. on work and finance and neglecting my body and my family and friends. And I think a real, uh, I keep using this word game changer, but it really was that I learned the art of meditation and meditation really being an executive superpower that's totally untapped. And I would never ma imagine myself meditating, but now it's become a daily ritual for me and uh, very much helps me with my sleeping patterns that's for sure i love that it was such an impactful week you know i, I remember it it uh, very clearly and I, I knew it was um you know a big week for you but to hear that i guess it's gone on to create long-standing um rituals mm. you know like the, the habit of meditation that the benefits only really come if you continually practice versus you know going on a i guess like a, a yoga or meditation retreat and Kind of doing it there and not bringing it back so um i love that you've you know you've been able to cultivate this executive superpower as you referred to it i'm curious you know what what else have you learned about your own well-being and and also bringing it back into somebody that sometimes has to deal with you know long days like many of uh people that are going to be listening to this this interview so what have you learned about your own well-being and productivity and and how have you incorporated I guess, practices and rituals to, to, you know, sustain that level of energy and success. Yeah, I certainly learn a lot that as, you know, as I said, it's been a game changer and, and, and really lasted with me. And uh, apologies if you can hear the dog snoring in the background here. I think that's one of the interesting parts about working from home is <laughs> you, know, you get uh, some interesting noises, uh, that's for sure. But yeah, long term, you know, I really took away a lot from that saying, and my takeaway that well-being is definitely more than just physical. And I think mental well-being is, is really key. I think, you know, it's 
it's quite common that you can look good on the outside, but your mind not maybe in the right place. And that's where I think, you know, the art of, of meditation for me helped me uh, to have balance in my life with creating certain rituals like me time, where it's, it's sacred time in my diary, my calendar that I won't move and I use it to center myself. And, you know, I think a lot of people can actually describe me as being a Jekyll and Hyde personality where, you know, I can be pretty laid back, you know, very easy, easy going and easy to talk to. But the other side is, is really intense. And all I think about is work. So it's really important to add those rituals, like having that sacred time for myself, you know, on Mondays, I do mindful Monday, which is no digital in the evening where I try and read a paper based book, uh, or just do something that's not, you know, on a screen. Uh, and I also have well Wednesday well-being days. So that is another kind of midweek weekend for me. And that Monday and Wednesday, you know, I have the ritual now of, of what you taught me around. I have plant-based food only on those days. And that's certainly giving me more balanced energy uh, and just makes my body feel better. Uh, not, you know, busting a myth that you don't have to have a steak to be full. Mm. So these intentional diary blocks, you know, the intentional well-being days uh, and just balance in my day with that sacred time uh, and, and the art of meditation. Um, a big user of Headspace and the Calm app, which have certainly helped me with my sleeping patterns and um, yeah, helping me remove a lot of that Jekyll and Hyde uh, personality. Yeah, I remember when, when you came to Bali, I think, you know, insomnia or an inability to sleep was a big problem. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a year on and your responsibility has only gotten bigger. I know you've had some things that you've needed to handle in your personal life. I mean, how would you say your life has, has kind of improved, I guess, professionally? What, what have you noticed about your ability to, um, you know, be in this leaders, leadership position that you've got at the moment with what you've learned? I certainly think I can be a better advocate of work-life balance. I mean, you know, with the the expectations of one of the fastest growing software companies on the planet, you know, there are demands that can push the boundaries, but I certainly like to advocate and I've certainly promoted this within the organization around, you know, carving out time for yourself and putting family first. You know, that was definitely something I wasn't doing prior to, you know, that reflection point in my life. Um, so yeah, the, I'll push, days and encourage people in my team to leverage the resources and we have a on offer to us we're very fortunate uh, particularly at salesforce you know we have a, a great focus on well-being um, we have time out and we have certain benefits for you know wellness allowance so i'm encouraging my team to leverage our wellness allowance encouraging them to take time in lieu particularly as they may you know work pretty late on a a pitch or an RFP or something like that and get that time back to themselves. I'm also encouraging them to, you know, leverage, uh, you know, other dietary means that I've discovered like plant food and, and things like that to, to become an executive athlete. And that executive athlete is someone who has balance. They have practice, they have rest, uh, and they have mental well-being. and it just helps us be the best we can be in our profession. Well said, Jim. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a big fan of that analogy. And, you know, I think one thing I want to acknowledge you for is how quickly you became such a great advocate for executive well-being within Salesforce. And, you know, you, you just gave us some examples of how you, I guess, from a leadership position, both embody and encourage 
the people around you in your leadership and I guess within the company. Uh, I'm curious, what, what have you observed about the interest in mindfulness and well-being across the organization, maybe over the last year and, and even more specifically during the last few months? Yeah, sure. I think there's definitely been a huge uptake and interest within well-being, particularly within Salesforce and in you know tech in general. Uh, to the point now that we see it's it's no longer looked at differently. It's it's mainstream. And mm. one thing I've certainly noticed, you know, there's there's definitely a change in well, what was the office environment, and hopefully we'll get back there one day. But uh, you know, people walking around with these massive like four liter water bottles and always having you know, hydration, uh, top of mind. Um, and I think that the, the image of the stereotypical techie, you know, eating cheesels and two liter Coke bottles sitting on their computer late at night, that's, that's definitely changed. And people are taking on practices, you know, like yoga, um, meditation and things like that. And, and using the wellness rooms at work in the office, you know, we have wellness rooms in each level of the office within the building and people are certainly using those. I've also noticed as well, you know, there's a lot of storytelling and a lot of community sites and, and portals we have to access resources on this. You know, we've got some great materials on there from uh, Ariana Huffington, you know, Bear Grylls, Andy Puttycomb from um, the Headspace app. People are starting to absorb the messaging coming from this and they're starting to create their own mantras as well uh, and starting to schedule time in their calendar to, to put that into daily practice. So. Yeah, huge shift from the stereotypical and the techie uh, to the you know the wellness, well-being centered tech individual um, who yeah can appreciate what we have on offer, but also tell stories of vulnerability and how it affects them, which I think is really resonating with people to to certainly increase the uptake. I think that's also one thing I want to acknowledge you for. You've you know you've been very willing from the start to kind of share your story, and I think that's. That makes you an even more powerful leader that people can look look up to, and and you know that's that's why we're starting to see people bring this aspect that's important to them. Of course, like well being is, you know, what is the point of any of this uh, that we're doing professionally if it's not contributing to our well being? So, I think that's a really important point you made. And another thing that I, I really liked to hear is that that people are scheduling these activities in their calendar and. Well, that's how we run our lives, right? If it's not in our calendar, it's considered far less important. So I think there's, you know, there's been some psychological barrier that's been broken through where something like, you know, and, and, and everybody everybody has their own preferences for how they want to look after themselves. But, you know, let's say, you know, taking some time to, to meditate or to get out of the office for a run, if, if, that's, if that's what someone wants to do and they're scheduling it in their calendar, it's treated as important as you know, a phone call or something like that, which, um, you know, I've always advocated for and all of the science kind of backs up and says that if you want to be amazing at your job in the afternoon, you know, having that break in between to reboot your energy, for example. So it's wonderful to hear that people are scheduling it. It's publicly visible to managers. People don't feel concerned that they're going to be judged for looking after themselves. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, I see a lot more people taking a nap at work as well, which I think would have been frowned on back in the day, but now it's, yeah, it's encouraged. Interesting. You, um, you mentioned Delilah there and, and, and uh, <laughs> sleeping next to you, and obviously you're, you're currently working from home. Um, I'm curious, just sort of 
reflecting back on the last few months about the COVID experience and, you know, maybe reflecting on what you've learned about yourself uh, as a leader during these last few months? Yeah, I certainly learned a lot. And I think one thing that comes top of mind and mentioned it before is is mental well-being. That's something I've certainly learned um, that, you know, it's it's been hard to separate work from from home, particularly as we've integrated the two lately. And I've seen the impact on this on my team. You know, a lot of the people within my team have children, uh, you know, and as, and as school has been in lockdown as well, you, you see what they go through on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but yeah, I'm really thankful for what we have. And, you know, I went through my own experience of that the other day. I said, it's just me and Delilah in my house. Um, but as I was getting some work done, I actually had to babysit a kid the other day for a couple of hours. And I was on a quarterly business review um, for for four hours for our business in Asia. And whilst I was participating in that, you know, that just looking after this kid and he was doing his maths homework on his iPad. And, you know, I said, yeah, just go do those questions. But then he couldn't read all of the words and I had to stop every two minutes and, you know, help him break down a word into two letter chunks. And then, you know, yep, he's got it. Then get back to the webinar. And then, you know, next, what's this word, you know, and, and just continually, you know, support him. And that was a real eye opener for me that I just thought, oh, you know, everyone's got kids, they'll just work in the background, but it really is hard work. And I think empathy is certainly something that I've learned, you know, to put myself in the shoes of others who have wider families to support. And you really see a change in, you know, our habits and our preferences and what we need to do to just get by each day. Hmm. So the dog can be easy. You can just give them a, a treat and away they go. But kids require so much more attention. And yeah, that really was an eye-opener for me. I've got a question about that. So, you know, that was a QBR experience. I'm curious about how any of these insights have influenced the way that you uh, empathize or communicate with customers. Yeah, that's certainly been an interesting one. Um, if you think about a lot of companies have had to adapt very quickly and Salesforce, we, we just took it for granted that we were just, a lot of us work from home frequently anyway, right? So we have all the infrastructure and tools available to do our jobs, no matter where we're located, but other customers aren't. So we've had to really change the way we approach them, change how we pitch, cater for all kinds of different scenarios in terms of, you know, certain industries may not have access to certain tools because there may be a security flaw in a certain, um, you know, online communication tool, put it that way. And it changes how you communicate with people when you're talking to them in their own environment and you see them as their true authentic selves, right? Like no matter what kind of level you're at within an organization, everyone has, you know, screaming kids. Perhaps they, you know, their house is a bit of a mess because they've got a lot on, you know, you, you get that insight into them in terms of what their authentic self is like. Uh, you know, you see that side of their personal side that perhaps, you know, they haven't had a haircut for a while because it was shut down or perhaps they're not wearing makeup because they're working from home, right? And I think that's really helped us connect with our customers in a different way as we break down some of those professional barriers and just talk to each other as humans. And mm. yeah, that's really changed it for us. And I think we've we've really done well on that front to just put the customer at the center of everything, which is cliche, but it's true and enable that through digital media to have a conversation and, and talk tech as well. 
Yeah, it, it is interesting because I know that Salesforce a big part of you know that that the mantra of of connecting with customers in a whole new way and putting them at the center. But th- this is sort of taken, you know, like this has taken it to a new level that we we couldn't have imagined a few years yeah. ago, right? Yeah, and I think what's really important around this is agility is everything, uh, and the impact of that agility is is crucial. And I think certainly a lot of companies need to realize, you know, particularly retail is a great example. Retail went through that period at the beginning when COVID really hit on, they they froze everything, right? Foot traffic was down. They didn't know what to do to drive revenue. And then we've seen a huge uptake in our capabilities lately is they've had to pivot and create a digital strategy. And we've seen some retailers who traditionally 25% of their business was from online now scale that up until up till 75, 80% of their business is now online. So key lesson there around you know having the infrastructure ready and not waiting for things to hit mm-hmm. is a great example of how you can you know future-proof your business if you like. Um, another you know another great example was there's you know demands for office supplies uh, through the roof, right? And and gym equipment as well. And there was one company that, that manufactures desks, but really expensive ones for exhibitions, they changed, they'd already thought about this in, in the past, and they were able to modify their machinery to produce desks for children, right? And they just completely sold out of all their inventory wow. because they were the only business that had you know thought future-proof tech and gone from producing these massive desks for exhibition shows and things like that to just kids' desks, you know, for, for every kid through kindergarten to, you know, high school. And that agility drove significant business revenue for them. So, yeah, being future-proof, not waiting for things to hit uh, is definitely something I think a lot of people learn from this. One other thing that, uh, you know, when I used to work at Salesforce, one thing that I really loved was the, the giving back component you know, I found that personally very fulfilling that, um, you know, we, we could come together as an organization and, and give back to the community. And I know that you're also a big believer in giving back. And uh, you joined me with the Orangutan Project charity in Indonesia last year um, with your team from Salesforce. So I, I'm curious just to get your perspective on, you know, I guess the importance of, of giving back to you personally and as part of your work. Yeah, sure. And uh, it was really fortunate as we discussed that when we were in Bali on that retreat that, uh, you know, I talked around doing something for the greater good uh, and, you know, going out of my comfort zone and to do something for, you know, a community or whatever it may be uh, that I hadn't done before. And I really wanted to do something that wasn't for myself. So yeah, the very fortunate for that introduction from yourself to work with the Orangutan Project and, you know, you, myself, and my wider team, we went to, to Indonesia and we we went there with a mindset to, to do something that would have a challenge on us, but also drive something. And, you know, working with the Orangutan Project was a real eye-opener in terms of, you know, there were, there were a lot of people um, who are a lot less fortunate than us, but give their time back to the community. And, you know, where we take things like that for granted, so we're continuing our work with the orangutan project looking to do a lot more with them i think we raised around twenty-five thousand us uh, wow, and a lot more amazing. to come so it was a great initiative on that front 
Um, but yeah, certainly as times have changed through COVID, uh, we've had to pivot in terms of thinking about how we run our volunteering. We've been very fortunate that we've, I've got my team and, and MuleSoft in general is part of a program that Salesforce is running called Future Ready. And this is about sponsoring schools and educational institutes to inspire them to take on STEM subjects uh, and look for the next generation of talent uh, to join uh, the tech industry. So we're sponsoring a school, uh, it's Bosley Park High School. And so far we've, we've done a lot with them. And, and particularly one thing that I was really pleased with is just before COVID hit, we donated some laptops. And when they went into lockdown, we actually got some feedback that those laptops we donated were put to really good use as a lot of these children perhaps come from refugee backgrounds as well, that they don't have an iPad or they don't have an iPhone. And as, as school switched from physical to digital, those laptops we donated were actually uh, lifesavers for some as they're able to continue their education uh, whilst being at home. So that's some, you know, one kind of initiative we've run there, just to donate kit and, and tech for them. We're also running things like career days, uh, productivity events. So, you know, as they all switch to Zoom and, and using G Suite for everything, um, these are things, you know, tools we use day to day that are new to some people. So we're running a lot of sessions on just how to, to switch to digital. And we're also running some uh, supporting them, which is one thing I'm particularly enjoying is, is they've got a lot of Lego and robotics uh, competitions that they participate in. And so there's certainly a lot of people keen to help them with the Lego building competitions, that's for sure. What's your view on the impact to your own well-being from giving back? Yeah, I think it's... Um, you know, particularly as we went to Indonesia and you witness some of the settings that people live in day to day, but they're happy. And mm. the impact on me, you know, these, these kids had very little. They were swimming in the swamp that we were going in the canoe. And, you know, I wouldn't think to ever get in that water. But, you know, they were perfectly happy having a great time just playing in the water, uh, playing with the football on the street, you know, that kind of thing with very little, you know, no iPhone, no Wi-Fi, no Instagram. And for me, the impact there was just be happy with what you have uh, and make use of what you have in your environment to, to create a sense of reward, if you like, and, you know, have gratitude for what, what we have. And, and that can really have a positive impact on your outlook every day. That was the impact to me. Key part of your role is recruitment. Do you find that some, particularly the younger people that might be coming into your team are, are quite drawn to the opportunities to give back to the community? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a major selling point that we offer not only, you know, a destination job, but an impact that to the broader community and, you know, our ecosystem and, you know, just around us in general, that we can support other initiatives like Food Bank is a great one that we partake in. Um, and people get real sense of reward and satisfaction from that that they haven't experienced before. And it's definitely a selling point for us to attract talent into the business. You know, there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that are also working very long hours. You know, you mentioned that trip to Bali was about creating Gym 2.0. Uh, there's many people out there that are still running hard on version one of themselves, uh, probably somewhat unsustainably. If you were going to give some very practical suggestions that you know anyone that is kind of curious about 
I guess, understanding themselves more around the, how they uh, stay well and stay productive, this notion of, I guess, becoming an executive athlete. Where, where would you suggest people begin? Yeah, for sure. I think definitely, you know, reach out to us. Uh, always happy to talk around that from, based on my experience. It's been very impactful and powerful for me. There's some great resources out there as well. Uh, I think Salesforce is publishing some great things. I'd, I'd definitely advocate to, to have a look at some of the work from Andy Puddycombe and the Headspace app, uh, as well as the Calm app. But for me, I think change the mindset around, you know, traditionally I thought if, yeah, when I come to that point of burnout, you know, don't let it happen too late. If you, you know, have a look and if you're not bringing your best self to work each day, then, you know, you're definitely in need of a break. And when it comes to having a break, don't just think about, you know, what they call a stop and flop holiday, which is go plant yourself in a beach somewhere and, and have a, a tequila or cocktail by the pool. But think of something different as I did and take that week of digital detox where, you know, you switch off from your phone, you switch off from work, perhaps you cut down the alcohol, try some plant-based food as well. Start with that and then, you know, take those learnings and just put a sense of self into your daily approach, you know, create that sacred me time, whether it's in the morning or midday or afternoon for a recharge and, and change the mindset from thinking that meditation is different, but it's actually here, it's mainstream and, and everyone's taking on board with that. Awesome. You know, you, you mentioned the stop and flop uh, mm -hmm. type holiday and, you know, and, and, and an alternative like you suggested. Do you feel that people's travel needs, how they might change, um, you know, post-COVID? Yeah, I definitely think, uh, and that's what I've heard of some people doing already. Uh, perhaps they're taking a, you know, particularly as we are on our devices so much more whilst we're at home, that people are changing that mindset and perhaps driving out to a remote area like Hunter Valley or somewhere, you know, on the coastline where they do take that digital detox. And I think there will be an impact from the network that I'm speaking to, that domestic travel will have an up uptick and people will focus on going to these retreats, you know, in tropical Queensland where, you know, perhaps you practice silence for a day or something like that. So I definitely think there'll be a change there and perhaps holidays overseas will change. Um, that's for sure. And yeah, that will be a great booster for our economy as well. Jim, thank you so much for sharing your views there. I'm so grateful that after a year you can come back and, and let us know that, you know, things uh, not only went well on that one-week recharge but have been quite transformative for you over the last 12 months and you're able now to not only embody these modalities but also share them within your organisation and now out to the broader community. So, yeah, thank you again for coming on the show. Very welcome. Uh, happy to contribute to this and definitely encourage anyone to, to take a week-long sabbatical, create a new version of yourself. Looking forward to interviewing Jim 3.0 next time on the podcast. Sounds good. Thanks, Jim. Well, guys, that is a wrap for today. That was a really fun episode. It was great to get inside the mind of today's leader. Thank you for listening. Looking forward to checking in with you next time. Bye-bye.